0: This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for listening. You are currently hearing an interview with Bengals Director of Player Personnel Duke Tobin. Our own John Sheeran is co-conducting the interview alongside Joe Goodberry. We hope you enjoy.
1: Sure That's logo. It's mine. Yeah, someone made it for me. and sent it to me on Twitter. But uh, you know, I think fans are kind of feeling the roller coaster of. A week ago it said reports are Bengals are zeroing in on Joe Burrow. We don't worry about
2: reports, people will be guessing and we don't have to do anything until April so I just uh, would uh, advise a uh, deep breath in the situation. There's going to be a lot of reports out, know that we don't put any of our intentions out and uh, so that doesn't come from anybody within our organization that we're definitely doing x, we're definitely doing y, all I'm saying is that we're going through the process of making a decision for the end of April, which is when the decision has to be made by not sooner. We don't get to earlier if we make the decision tomorrow. It's the end of April. And so the thing to put out is that, that uh, there is nothing set in stone. Uh, but we're going through a thorough process. We own the number one draft pick in the league and we're going to make sure that we do the work and research necessary before we make the final decision and uh, so I know everybody wants to be first in the reporting world and so you'll, you'll have a lot of but uh, reading into reports uh, the, only, the only thing that we will say is that we're going to put our full effort into making the right decision for the Cincinnati Bengals. So kind of bouncing off of that,
3: because you have the first overall pick, is the process of building the initial draft board a little bit more rigorous because you have for your second pick, you have 31 teams.
2: Yeah, we're going to build the draft board out all the way from top to bottom like we always do and be prepared for picking in any spot. You know, we don't just build the draft board based on where our current picks are. We build the draft board to to kind of show us, okay, if we go from here to here, what's our universe going to be and is that something we want to do? We just don't trade back or up for no reason. We trade back or up because we know the universe that's going to be there um, that we would want to pick in that. And like every draft, there'll be areas of a draft that are stronger than others. You know, there's a lot of guys that we feel really good about in the third round. Very few guys we feel really good about that we would be willing to take in the middle of the second round. You know, so every draft board has these voids and heavy spots. And if you can feel good about your analysis about where guys are going to be available, because that's a big part of what we do, not only how much do we like them, but where are they going to be available and, and if you feel good about that, then you can move around a little bit with some certainty that, okay, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and move this pick. And we're going to come down into this area, which we think is a little more fertile and a little more, uh, uh, the, the players down there are a little more in a position. Rather than taking a guy from down here that we like and taking him up here, we'll try to move that draft capital and gain something on the back end we really love this fourth rounder. we really love these guys that that are developmental players in the fifth round we love to get two picks down there um, don't really see anybody here at the top of the third round that we'd rather have over this group at the bottom of the third round. So is that an opportunity to take a third top of the third round pick and move back into the middle to bottom of the third round, gain a couple in the area that we'd really like to grab a couple players? And so those are the things that, that we have. And it goes all the way from the first pick. If we drop down, what's the universe gonna be like? And then what do we get for that? And does that improve our football team more than just taking player X at the top here? So you got to go through all those scenarios, Absolutely. building up to yeah, the Absolutely. There's a lot that goes on to it to where we wouldn't have reason to be announcing anything at, at this point. You know, we, we've got uh, 122 juniors just came out, um, we probably got 80% of those guys already done. We've got to do the rest of them, the guys who kind of surprised us by coming out, fit them on, in on the draft board. Then we'll meet again on all the juniors. Uh, we've already met on all the seniors and we've kind of got them slotted where they belong. We'll meet on the juniors. We'll slot those guys in. We'll really get a feel for what the draft board looks like at that point. We'll go through the combine. There'll be people that have physical problems. There'll be people that maybe didn't run like we thought. We'll have to go back and make sure we saw what we saw on tape. You know, did we, did we think we saw it or did we see it? You know, because this is telling us something different. You mean or further than or guys who we thought were not quite fast enough and all of a sudden they blaze a the time, okay. we're gonna say, well, wait a minute. Now let's go back and make sure that we saw the lack of play speed that we were talking about you know, when we met on these guys and watched them. Let's make sure that's the case because this is telling us something different. And so after the combine, there'll be a little bit of tweaks on the draft board where we, we've got guys, you know, who did X better or worse than we thought they would do. And then we we'll go back and we look at the tape. We meet again on them. We watch them as a group and we say, okay, this is where we see them at this point. And there'll be guys that we really like that have a physical problem that will probably eliminate them. And, and that'll be a problem. Uh, you know, we'll have to take in that into account. There'll be guys that that have some off the field things that come up that we'll have to take into account uh, in building out the right. final draft board. But there's a lot of work to get to that point. I know it's just easy for everybody who's just well, just pick him, and oh, okay, well that's a, a possibility for sure. But there's still a lot of more work that goes into in, into understanding what the rest of the draft's going to look like at that point.
1: How much does analytics play a part? It seems like the football world is We look at
2: analytics, but we've been looking at them for years. I mean, a height is an analytic, and a speed is an analytic, and an arm length is an analytic, and how high a guy can jump, an explosive number is an analytic, a GPS speed is an analytic, how many catches a guy's had is an analytic, how many tackles he's had, how many missed tackles he's had, how many drop balls he's had, those are all analytics. And, and so by analytics, I think it's kind of a, an umbrella of what scouts have been doing From the start of scouting you know 100 years ago when the league formed you know people have been looking at size and speed ratios and production ratios and you know so those really are are what people mean by analytics and so they're a big part of what we do
3: all right so specifically specifically with the quarterbacks just in the past five or ten years there's been a lot of advancements in that specific department is there any production metrics with just that position that yeah I mean
2: we've always looked at uh, uh, um, completion percentage in different zones different ranges uh, all those types of things Um, you know there there are guys that are much more uh, much more competent in uh, the underneath uh, area of the field than they are down the field there's guys that are better down the field and they're less accurate underneath but you know an incompletion can be not the quarterback's fault and so you have to go to the film and understand are these incompletions really and we'll look. Oh, let me see all the guys' incompletions and so he can't complete you're you're telling me he can't complete a stop route to the left because of this number. Okay, let me see all the stop routes to the left that the guy's thrown. And we'll look at that and we'll go, Okay, there's six drops. So he had a crappy X, you know, that <laughs> that either ran bad routes. Or uh, you know or had bad hands or whatever or he played in terrible weather those games when they threw those or maybe he's got a mechanical problem with his feet and getting his hips open and he sails everything or he throws across his body are those things we can fix is that a deadly problem or is it you know so we'll look we'll dig deeper into that kind of stuff Um, but you don't make decisions just based on the number you let the number dictate a little more film to look at and try to understand what the number's telling you um, is, is what we do. You know, there, there's quarterbacks with low completion percentage that have terrible wideouts. And is that one of the biggest reasons the guy has the low percentage? Right. Or, or, you know, and there's guys with high completion percentages that have a low yards per attempt and and they're throwing everything behind the line of scrimmage and so the 78% completion percentage may be not indicative of of what the guy's gonna translate into in our level right and so the numbers just tell us things to make sure that we confirm
0: You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: How much has it changed? I feel like even as long as I've been doing this for 10 years ago, what I thought I knew then, it seems like now I look at quarterbacks much differently or even five years ago, now these guys going off script, doing off-schedule
2: plays yeah. much more than before. It's a big component of the NFL right now, that the, the teams that are having the most success are, are getting more off-script plays on third down than the teams who are trying to run the perfect play. On third down, you know, and, and when you can get a guy that can can make the unexpected happen, the Mahomeses of the world, uh, the, those teams right now are now you can make negative unexpected happen doing that too. So you've got to have the right guy that still is in control of what he's doing and not just isn't know, that part important? Like, by vision the vision doesn't like narrow
1: when that that has yeah, to happen. You sure. see that with some guys that sure. you know they get out there and
2: they start to panic a little. But bit. it's a whole team thing. The, the line has to continue to block. They can't hit the off switch Mm -hmm. the receivers have to understand how to uncover when that happens how to how to alter their route when to come back who goes deep who goes short you know you get two guys that run deep and you got nobody to throw to you got two guys that turn around stop in the same area you got nobody to throw to so it's a coordinated effort it's not just chaos but it's a coordinated effort and I think those things build on your football team when you have a guy that's gonna they expect the off script play so, the term
3: like first round prospect or day three prospect, it kind of gets thrown around a lot. And it's almost kind of subjective from team to team. They have different types of qualifications for what determines yeah. that. Do you think that that subjectivity kind of hinders just a, a general better way of evaluating prospects, or do you just
2: feel like it's just. A we don't of buy into what we read on guys, right, we, of we, course. We, we grade them according to what they've done on tape and how we feel about them and what the research has told us. Um, when i first started scouting there wasn't a day three there wasn't even a day two Mm -hmm. it was you know one day he just grinded through the whole thing so those are new terms those are buzzwords Uh, those those terms don't really matter to us now he might be a fourth round talent he might be a fifth round talent He, he might not have the ability to improve our position that we currently have but he's a second round talent and so you have to understand your own team and then understand what you're getting in that guy that's walking in the door. You're getting a second-round talent that's probably not going to be able to start for you right away. Is that what we want? Sometimes it is. Sometimes we know we're going to have a need there in a year, and we want that young guy coming on. So it's
3: perceived value to what the roster is. That kind of determines where you would slot him based off like the round
2: projections. We, we slot them by their ability level only, and then we determine then we determine how they fit on our football team so there'll be position groups maybe where we feel like we're void where you can get Bengal starters all the way down through the end of the third round or fourth round. Um, Now the talent level, you're getting a fourth rounder and you realize you're starting a fourth round talent but for us, that guy's going to start. You know, for other teams, he might be the fifth corner, say, you know but you understand what you're getting in the talent. You don't take a fourth round talent drive him up to the second round because you need a guy at that position right. you understand what you're getting but but we put lines in on our board of wh- where we feel the starters end for us on our current football team and so we understand you know what we're getting when the guy walks in the door we're getting a starter but he's a backup player really how do you weigh that against say like
1: uh, you're in the third round, you got a second round receiver still there, but we may not need one. We will take
2: if there's a big enough discrepancy. we'll take the better player all the time every time we won't jump down we won't jump down a big bracket and and take take a lesser talent at that spot. We'll take the better talent if there's a big discrepancy. Mm-hmm. We put guys in buckets and we won't leave one bucket until that bucket's empty, you know yep that bucket, unless it's a kicker or something, you know, truly a specialist position or or sometimes even quarterbacks fall out of their bucket, but we won't leave that bucket and go down to this lower level talent group to take a guy at a position of need. Now, within that bucket, we'll let need drive what we do a lot because they're similar talents. We're not losing the talent, but we're getting a guy that might fit better on our current football team. So
3: I think just with this offseason, there's a lot of questions with AJ and AD and their features in general. Is yeah. there a higher sense of urgency to kind of get things right? Not only with those two, but just building the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I,
2: those guys are have been incredibly important players for us. And, and we're not going to do anything in haste when it comes to those guys. Uh, those guys. Those guys have done things the right way for us. And we're going to be uh, very respectful about how we go forward with both of them.
1: Is there an idea that if you get to the point of you drafting a quarterback of a four or five-year window, while well, that contract would be cheap, to maybe maximize the roster, is this a good reason to pay a running back like Joe Mixon?
2: We're trying to maximize our roster, no matter what we do at any single position. I mean, that's that gives that, you a little more that's, resources, That's though, the right? goal yeah, is to maximize the roster, and and with with paying players there's a uh, we call it a zero-sum game you give more over here you get less over here and and so how to fit that in best um, in the current window and in the future windows that you're looking at that's that's an important piece of what we do and uh, yeah we're trying to maximize our roster and uh, the less you're paying to one position group the more you can pay to another and that's It
1: seems like it's been a good advantage for a lot of Super Bowl teams, you know, to have
2: that rookie contract quarterback. It can be, it can be, and there's been a lot of Super Bowl teams with a highly priced quarterback too. You got one of each in the Super Bowl right now. True. So, having worked with Zach now for a year, what would you say is the the biggest
3: commonality that you two share in terms of just not just draft uh, prospect value? I think enthusiasm
2: for the game. Uh, You know, I I think we view the game in very similar ways I I think that um, we want guys who enjoy football first and foremost you know everything drives around the enjoyment of actually playing the game and then enjoy the things that come with it not I want the things that come with it and but I've got to play football and so we're both after the same thing we want guys who really love the football game how do you find that Uh, You got to work at it. You got to talk to people who have been around them. You got to visit with the player. You got to, I mean, sometimes you're wrong. You know, sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes guys' motives change. They're human beings. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, that's what we want. We want guys that just can't get enough of football. They love practicing. They love the preparation. They love watching film. They love the competition of it and then the stuff comes with it. That's all gravy. That's all great. Uh, You know, I'll take it. Nobody ever says no thanks. But I love the game of football. Peyton Manning is the greatest example of that. He loved the game of football. Everything else came with it. Sky's the limit. But that's not why he was doing it. Do you find it harder to project that or find that out than it
1: is the football stuff that's on tape? Absolutely. It's by far the hardest thing to find out. How often do you... uh... So then you probably get guys that are different than you expected, more often personality-wise, but on tape, how often do you see a trait in college, and you're like, man, he gets here, and you know, I don't know that... Mm, those
2: traits normally show back up. I mean, if you can do something once, you can do it. It's in you, mm-hmm. and, and those traits will... Some, some are slower to show those traits when they walk in. It's a new environment. Maybe they're not comfortable, not confident yet, and so they don't show up right away, but those traits always show up. If it's there, it's there and you've got to get it out of them you've got to put them in position to show that trait just like their college team did um and sometimes they're in a different position or sometimes you know it's uh, maybe a bigger competition level jump so it takes a while for the guy to translate those skills but if the skill is there the skills there a fast guy is a fast guy a slow guy is a slow guy a, a guy with good hands has good hands a guy with that has drop problems is probably going to have drop problems with you. You know, those, the traits come along with the guy. How much they work at it, how much they work to develop those traits and perfect those traits, that's the hard thing that's to understand. Fun. And is there a sing, is there
3: a single trait in, that comes to mind that you think is not
2: necessarily as valuable? But with the way
3: the game has evolved, there's just some traits that are just more valuable in some positions than others just compared to where it
2: used to be Yeah, you'd have to go position by position almost with that question, but sure, I mean, sure there are. I mean, football continues to evolve, but ultimately every team is looking for a bigger version of whatever, a faster version of whatever, a more physical version of whatever, a smarter version of whatever you know that's that's what every team is looking for nobody says no 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 we're not looking for smart big no i don't like big you know fast not not so much for me i rather have the slow guy you know everybody's looking for the same traits it's uh, there's no secrets there sometimes the difference is what you're willing to put up with okay this not very many people have it all the the guys that have it all they're easy but Okay, what are we willing in our schematic to put up with a lack of, you know, we can't have a lack of speed at this position. But if he's a little off-size, we could probably make that work. Can you have a lack of arm strength if the guy has everything else? At um, quarterback? At quarterback, there's been plenty of good quarterbacks that haven't had rocket arms. Um, You've got to be able to reach all the points of the field. You know, otherwise teams will sit on you and you know your weaknesses. The, the scouting in our league is too good. The advanced preparation before a game is too good. And if you have a hole at that position, you can't reach certain points of the field, they won't defend it. And, and that makes it harder to re- reach the actual points that you can. Right. So you got to, there, there's a bar. you got to be at the bar. Sure. You can't be below the right. bar. But you don't have to be John Elway to be successful in this league. You alluded to um, bringing
1: in some of the concepts with that a college player, like he did this in college. so Let's make sure we do this to make him successful. I think that's something we've seen much more recently. Sure. Trying to fix, you know, especially like
2: pro style quarterbacks. If they got a rare trait, you you want to build on that rare trait. Baltimore did a great job yeah. building on a rare trait. Yes, exactly, you know? And,
1: um, How hard is it to do that?
2: You've got to have buy-in at all levels. you got to have buy-in in the coaching staff. you got to have buy-in you know, in your scouting department. you got to have buy-in that we're going we're gonna to try this. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a guarantee that was going to work for right them. You know, there wasn't a guarantee. And, um, and they were courageous enough to, to buy-in and build it around it, and it, it was successful for them. Do you think that how can last? But without without buy-in, you won't be able to be successful at at trying something a little radical. Right. Anything else? i I got more than enough. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it.
0: Our thanks to Duke Tobin for joining us on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Again, this interview was conducted by our own John Sheeran as well as Joe Goodberry. Thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals, and again to Duke Tobin for joining our program.